Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. As a matter of fact, that's literally what the climb means. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. See what we did there? See what we did? That's right. Uh, let me introduce you to my co-host, Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Annabellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent also helps songwriters like you turn pro by teaching the art, craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. It's an innovative artist development company. They help you find your sound, and they help you find your audience. Not only do they develop and improve your artistry, they also grow and monetize your fan base, creating cash flow. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a couple. And you can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. Why? Because, as you know, there's only one Dr. Johnny D. <laughs> you keep calling me doctor, man. People that just sounds like I should. I don't I know you, why. My sister's the doctor. I'm not the doctor. <laughs> You're not the doctor. <laughs> my sister, Carrie, she's the doctor. I'm not the doctor. There you go. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I can... I'm about to slip on some slippers. It's getting chilly in the house. Yeah, it's it's getting uh, cold out in December now. It's getting it's getting a little a little brisk. <laughs> I know. It's cold. My wife and kids are gone. You know, getting early starting the holidays, and I'm gonna go join them in a couple of days. But there's you know the house is is chilly. No loved ones to hang on to. Right, no warmth in the house. No warmth in the house. <laughs> it's quiet. It's cold. I'm lonely. Thank you, Johnny, for being here for me. I love you, buddy. I got your back, man. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's get right into it. Uh, this episode here, I want to tackle six music industry myths, which I, I feel like they're still out there. And I feel like there's just... Like slowly but surely, we're, we're, we're educating people and they're starting to understand mm-hmm. what it's really going to take to become a professional musician, whether that means you escalate to superstardom or whether that means you're successful and you're just you're making a, a good living and you can you can live a, a normal life in, in America, do, but doing what you love to do, which is a blessing of all blessings. Right. And making music yes, it is. And, and recording music. So. Uh, these myths, you gotta you gotta understand them, and you gotta get your head around them. Right? And I know you're gonna weigh in a lot on these uh, early and often because uh, it is it is um, they're still prevalent. They're still it's it's like the, the herd that won't flush. Like people just don't hang on to this. Like I can't I can't I don't get it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Overheard today on the podcast. Um, <laughs> And <laughs> just pull that little stuff. clip out and tell, hey, guess what we talked about today? The uh, yeah. There we go. The floater. All right. <laughs> so, you know, and unlike the floaters, I think why these myths persist, you know, looking over them is they're comfort. They're comforting. You know, they 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 seem like magic. You know, it's like I want to hang on to this because it sounds like this is not as much work as I'm going to have to do once we kill these myths. I don't yeah. want to 
drive a stake through the heart of these myths. And if these myths, if these are in fact myths, then um, I don't get to be bitter. I don't get to blame somebody <laughs> else. Right, because, yeah. Uh-oh. I didn't get picked. Yeah. I didn't get lucky. Oh, I have to do some work now. Dang I, it. I, I get picked for Red Rover, Red Rover, and that old memory comes up again and, and <laughs> in the form of my music, and I'm going to start, you know, bitching at people. But myth number one, good music will find its own audience. This is categorically untrue. So it's kind of like build it and they will come, right? Yeah, that's not what happens. I mean, it's just not. It, it never was, by the way, what happens. Part of the problem with this myth, Brent, is that it's it's perpetuated by a sort of out of touch former or current major label artists who've been around for decades because mm-hmm. that was their experience you know they were <laughs> high out of their minds they wrote a couple of cool songs they got a demo the the record company brought them in put them through the machine and they they woke they they woke up one day and uh they had an audience you know so to them that's their reality but that's not what happened that doesn't mm-hmm. discount the you know that completely just because they're ignorant of the fact that a record label had a whole marketing department that said okay where's a bunch of people that we can find they're going to like something like this kind of music where can we go find them and how can we get the music in front of them and uh, you know a lot of that was with radio play certainly which was very prevalent for breaking artists back in the day that's no longer the case now as you well know um, mm-hmm. I mean you know step one you got to write a good song and you, and mm-hmm. you got to move somebody, right? And, and then you've got to make that product and it's got, you've got to make that recording. And it's got to be amazing. But then you have to find the audience. The record label's not going to do it for you anymore. They really not. In fact, record labels kind of out of the business of finding audiences to a degree. They're in the business of finding bigger audiences, but they're, they're a procure. They're like, they're like a conglomerate now, right? Like, mm-hmm. think about General Electric or Procter & Gamble, where you know General Electric's most famous for, we have all these different brands under our big multi-billion dollar conglomerate, and every single one of them is either number one or number two in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. That was their... So they're an acquisition-based giant that continues to grow because they buy the right companies for the right reasons. That's what record labels are doing now. And they're like Shark Tank. They're yeah. like Shark Tank. They're you know they're going. What what's your product? How, what are your sales like? What have you already got going? And we'll just see if we can add some zeros to the end of it. What a great analogy! Yeah, what a great analogy. They're like that, and so you better have all that stuff together and be looking good. And and I, but you got to go find them. They're not going to find you. That nobody cares. They're, they're looking for an event. They're looking for the, one of the best ways of introducing an act to a new a brand new act to a brand new market was putting them on tour opening for somebody that already had an audience that whose mm-hmm. audience right would be hopefully and we've seen lots of tours where this wasn't the case but hopefully the, the audience who loves the headliner which is what they paid to go see would also like you for the people that show up early and right. get a chance to see you and they would uh, that's an event they're there they're there prepared to have a good time experience to something as a community so as an artist it's up to you if you can do your job and move them and get that crowd going and make them feel something then you're going to get a bunch of new fans you're going to win them over and, and, and that's one way of doing it but there's certainly social a lot of you are like well we can't get on tour we don't have a booking agent well you don't have a booking agent because you don't do enough business right now for, for a booking agent to care because right. they only get paid on commission well, Congratulations. You do have a booking agent. You. That's right. <laughs> His name is you. It's like, it's like songwriters that, you know, say, I don't have a publisher. Yes, you do. 
You. <laughs> You're the you just don't like him very much. <laughs> exactly. He's just, he's just not working hard. That's why he's not making any money. I don't blame him. I wouldn't like him either, but you can change that. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's uh, people that say, yeah, I, didn't, I did a record or a song or whatever, and I put it up on iTunes, and you find it on iTunes, and I'm waiting to be discovered. Right? That's kind of the thing of like, it will find its audience. People will discover it on iTunes, or they will find my, my video uh, on YouTube or whatever, and they will they will come find me on Reverb Nation, and then all of a sudden I'm going to start getting a lot of followers and blah, blah, somehow. Hope. Isn't that the that's hope? That's the hope. That's the myth. That's, right. that's the myth. That's, the, that's where they go. Well, here's the thing. That is iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Reverb Nation, Bandcamp, Bandzoogle, Backstage, uh, on and on and on. All these different platforms are digital distribution. And here's the most important, this might be the most important thing you can take away from this episode today. The difference between distribution and, and, and marketing. A digital distribution is where people go to purchase or to consume the product. Mm-hmm. Okay, Reverb Nation is where somebody goes to hear something. The marketing is why they're going there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a very, very small percentage of the population who actually went into record stores back in the day to shop. I never mm-hmm. went shopping in a record store. I went in a record store knowing exactly what I wanted to get. I just heard right. this kick-ass new band on the air, and I, you know, I want to get this, uh, the, the, you know, this, this, this new Bon Jovi. What I need to, where's that? at? B right there. Boom, in and out. You know, I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I went and I got it, and I left. And that is exactly what happened. There is no digital foot traffic on any of these sites, so nobody's going to stumble across you while looking for something else, with the exception of Spotify playlists. But mm-hmm. that's still that's just a very small piece of the pie. You're going to need a lot more than it's that. It's not enough to to grow a career that's based right. off luck. That's right, and that leads us right into myth number two: your music video will magically go viral on YouTube. This myth is damaging in so many ways because I see way mm-hmm. too many people spending way too much money. Um, first of all, trying to do overthink a video or, mm-hmm. you know, do, do in hopes that if they make this really good video and they're going to put it up there, really good video, one really good video <laughs> that it's going to magically go viral. Has mm-hmm. that happened? Yes. Did somebody win the Powerball lottery last year and get $600 million that lived in a trailer park? And yes, you know, mm-hmm. that happened. And, and not for nothing, there's been several, you know, TV shows, uh, uh, reality shows that followed people around after they won hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and typically the average is of one year and all the money's gone. One year later, that's the average. You know why they weren't rich? Because they don't know how to handle money. <laughs> so exactly. Everybody who thinks they need their big break, it's, it, it, you, haven't, you don't have your big break because you don't know what you're doing. And this is exactly the same. So the, most of the people, the, most of the artists who have broken on YouTube, and YouTube is the by far most powerful tool that you have for free from your couch. It's just, if you move the bong out of the way and look at the computer, (laughs) it's right there. If you just type in YouTube, you can pull it up, man, and you can put your stuff up there and reach people, but you've got to work and you've got to be consistent. We've got two episodes prior to this where Mm -hmm. we kind of spell out how to create a the a viral YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. Like you're going to set the, the, the infrastructure, right? For, for what you need to create a viral channel. But man, one video isn't going to do it by itself. Was it one video that happened for Carmen? Yes. Was it one video that happened for Noah? Yes. But they had tons of videos before that. An audience built up a bunch of followers that triggered the multipliers in YouTube that helped 
they 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 manifested that that wasn't luck that was work right hey if if i knew which days i would write the cuts i would only show up on those days right right exactly good point you know good point if if carmen knew which video it was why'd she do all the others (laughs) you know that's right actually i would show up the other days to write just because i love it but Whatever, you know. But I get your point. I mean, that's a perfect <laughs> yeah. point. So, so it's all about the consistency. So don't think that one video is going to do it, and don't um, don't get you know. It, it, it's more than that. It's about getting the name out there, and it's about really, really working. Myth number three: If you make a demo, quote unquote, of your music, and then quote unquote shop it to the labels, you might get a record deal. What? No, I saw <laughs> it on a show. Didn't I see it on a show one time? Probably. They probably did that on the show Nashville. Here's the thing. Like all your <laughs> your aunts and uncles and, and the people that you have friends in the music industry that, that are talking have, are probably telling you this. And they're coming from a good place and from an honest mm-hmm. place in their heart because that's the way it used to be. I mean, it used to cost a couple hundred grand to make a record because you had mm-hmm. to go into a proper studio. There was tape that you had to buy. Um, I mean, just the tape alone was 300 bucks a reel. And if you're going to wow. do slave reels and everything like that, I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars just for the tape. And then you still got to rent the studio. You still need an engineer. You still need a producer. Maybe you got to pay players if you don't have a complete band. Uh, I mean, mixing the whole thing. It's so It was so cost prohibitive for any average person to be able to put out a proper recording the demos were the way they used to do it but that's not the case anymore mm-hmm. um that's not the case anymore and, and and listen there's rare exceptions to the rule but but think about it this way from a real world just a money situation apply this to your own paycheck in 1978 when tom petty released dan the torpedoes i think it was 1979 um it cost eight bucks and mm-hmm. that was a big deal. I remember Tom Petty had a whole bunch of stuff in the press about fighting to keep the cost of that eight bucks. But if you put that into an inflationary calculator, in 2016, that's worth $29.22. <laughs> that's what we were getting for records, right? And I think uh. you sold 10 million copies at least to that record. So if you put that into context, that's a quarter billion dollars worth of revenue, mm-hmm. uh, gross revenue off of one product that was then split up amongst the distributors right in the record mm-hmm. label and um you know i'm sure they probably figured out a way never to pay tom petty you know because <laughs> he never recouped but <laughs> the promo cash everything yeah. like that boom psh, yeah see what you did there it's good I'll but there all but uh th- today just to, to give you an idea if if you look at tom petty's latest release which is uh, as a point of comparison which came out last year hypnotic eye is the name of the record so on youtube on excuse me on iTunes like everybody else's record for 10.99 right so from 29 dollars down to 10.99 that's the cost of the widget so let's that's 62 percent so I'm going to start with this take your paycheck think about what it is right now and subtract 62 percent mm-hmm. and try to run your household okay it's not much of a cost of living increase right and, there and try to live now the second thing is that in uh, because of the market shifts here if you look at the best-selling country music record of, let's say, 2004, I believe, was Shania Twain's Up, which sold mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 or 12 million copies in the United States. And the best-selling country music record last year barely cracked a million. Top Dog mm-hmm. barely cracked a million. So that's not at least 90% unit sales down. So not only are we going to take your, your hourly wage down by... Um, 
62%, but we're only going to let you work 10% of the hours. But there's good news, right? Because there's whiskey, because I think I need a drink right now. <laughs> so this is what record labels are dealing with, right? They don't, they don't develop acts anymore because they can't afford to develop them. And you just need mm -hmm. to get that through your head. Like, you need to be a small, vibrant business with a lot going on to get there exciting. Because record deals can be a blessing or they can be a curse. And mm -hmm. if you don't come into it the right way, in the right situation, it's more often than not a curse. And that's what you don't want. You know, you think that... Uh, you think that you're in, but you're not. You're you're on a shelf. You're in the artist protection program, as we call it, right? Yeah, because you're you're not ready yet. So I mean, a lot of this stuff is. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. What this myth is saying is you don't need all the foundational work. You don't need all the, the business, the back end, all the muscle. Just something's going to come along and pick you and save you and make your dreams come true. But you know what? Even if that happens, even if you get that one video that goes viral, if you don't have the, the business, the back end to support that, it's going to crumble. Exactly. Or you're going to miss it. Like, for instance, Noah, we talked about the YouTube thing. You know, talk about that one video. So he did the work 77 weeks in a row where he built up that audience and, and actually was super instrumental in that one particular video. Having the, the, the play, everything was set. The stage was set for that to go viral. OK. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, but three or four million views that went to 24 million views, three or four million in. He puts up an Indiegogo campaign. Mm -hmm. 14 million views in the Indiegogo, Indiegogo campaigns funded. He got $100,000 for his first record. That's awesome. So he knew exactly what he was doing, you know, and how, mm -hmm. to, and how to take advantage of that. When he did strike, when the lightning happened, he wasn't just running around telling people how awesome he was. He was still working. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's squeeze a little bit more out of this, you know. Right. So, And that kind of brings us into uh, myth number four. Once you get a record deal, life will be easier. You've made it. You can finally get paid, kick your shoes up and let the label take care of everything. Mm. Now, you work a lot with artists and labels, Brent. How often does that happen? <laughs> um, no. I mean, uh, you know, I have uh, a friend that's on a label, and it was interesting talking to her about, you know, what was going on with her label. It's so easy to 
for you to get shelved in the label. And she was, she was very mindful of getting her branding together, getting everything and just serving it up for the label. So she's on the label, but she's still trying to make it really easy for the label to go, Oh, we get it. We see the vision where this is what we're doing. It's like, here's my branding. Here's my vision. Here's, you know, this other stuff I have going on and just trying to serve it up for them. Cause one thing you're kind of jockeying for position, you know, yeah. unreleased dates, who's getting next, who's getting the push, all this stuff. It doesn't stop. And if you expect them to do all the work for you, it's not going to happen. But this artist was wise enough to say, okay, well, I got the deal. Great. Double down. Let's really work make this harder for them. Work harder. Really focus in and make it easy so I can jump up to the next in line. Yeah. And, by, you know, on that note, by the way, it, in the heyday of the record industry back in the 70s, 80s, and in and, and early 90s, when the labels were making tons of money, when you got your deal, you entered, in, entered into a club where 90% of the people in the club were failing. Hmm. That's a crappy business model. I mean, think about that. McDonald's couldn't exist if nine out of ten hamburgers were returned because they didn't work. Right. right. Nine out of ten or, franchises. Or they lost money. Out. If nine out of ten hamburgers lost money in the one hand. Mm-hmm. But because the power of radio, because it was so powerful, right? It was very restrictive because there's only 12 songs an hour, right? So it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's... I'm not speaking that there's a velvet rope for people, but it's just there's only 12 songs an hour. We want rotational programming as human beings. So there's only so many artists that are going to get in that spun and, and get to keep getting spun in there. So that was that set up to CBS Records had 500 artists, 450 of them didn't make any money. Only 50 of them did. But the 50 that made money made so much money, it covered all the other losses. So even yeah. then, when things were when it was all what. And I say this because everybody's lamenting this now, like they keep comparing it to the way it used to be. Man, the way it used to be, you, you talk about, yeah, talk about jockeying for position. You st- have to jockey for position after you get the deal into the top 10 slots. Oh, yeah. Think about Well, that. just remember, the label is not as concerned with making sure you make money as they are with making sure they make money. Mm-hmm. And understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. Just if, once you get it, then mm-hmm. you can start asking the right questions and making the right like, moves. How can I help? Yeah. How can I help you make money? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And make that happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, um, the work starts once you get there and, and you're going to have to, and you're really, really, really going to have to bring something And, and for, for that real quick side note. Um, Granger Smith, we talk about him, Earl Dibbles Jr., Completely mm-hmm. independent, built up a $1.8 million business every year, $150,000 gross a month, people. That's what that breaks down to. Uh, and did a complete, and all the labels were trying to sign him really, really bad. He put him off for a couple of years until he was ready to get that number one. He wasn't going to get a number one on the radio without the label. And he comes in. Now, this is an opinion. This is not, I don't state this as fact. This is, if I was Granger Smith, this is what I would have done because he was such a big trophy at the time that he decided to go with the label because they had been, all of them had been knocking down his door forever because he was an undeniable positive business force. I would have come in and said, Hey, man, um, put a performance clause in the contract, mm-hmm. right? Like you have nine months to get me whatever that criteria would be, a top 40, a top 10, a number one, whatever that is, whatever I wanted, right? You have no, mm-hmm. whatever I can negotiate, right? You have nine right. months to get that. And, or this contract's null and void. I don't owe you anything. And I can go across the street and let these other guys handle it. Cause you didn't know how to market me. And clearly I'm marketable because you've been wanting it for <laughs> right, years. Right? There's no proven it. This is yeah, I've already proven it. So you have that hammer at the, at the table. But here's the point. 
Okay, here's the point. For those of you who believe in myth number four, for those of you who believe that once you get the deal, everything's going to be okay, what happens if they say yes? What happens if, man, we love you, you're talented, we're going to give you a deal, and these two people at the label really believe in you, and they exert enough influence to get you the deal that you want, and then the next Granger Smith comes along. Mm-hmm. With that performance based. He's already a big businessman. He's way bigger than you. And they right. need to satisfy that because they know that's mm-hmm. going to make them money that's farther along than you are because he did the work and you didn't. You're writing in on your talent. He's writing in on on cash flow. And, right. and, and he's going to take all the resources, all the energy and everything away from that. And guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be shallow. Yeah, you're going to wait in line, you know? So now's the time to get started. What's the old Chinese proverb? Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time is right now. Now, (laughs) exactly, yeah. So myth number five, artists like uh, Taylor Swift and Trent Reznor from uh, Nine Inch Nails made it because they were really, really rich. If you had that kind of money, you could make it too. False. Wow. How often do you hear that in this town, especially with Taylor? Oh, yeah, with Taylor, yeah, I've, I've heard that, yeah. Because her family does have money. They did, and listen, they, and help, so, they help start that label. I mean, they, 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 right. this is not a secret, okay? Right, so it's easy to, to look at that and go, well, that's the reason, because somebody has money and I don't. And yeah. that's, well, that's a bigger issue than just music business, but that's definitely happens there. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I've had like a bunch of conversations with Rick Barker about this, who is her former mm-hmm. manager. He is very passionate about this. <laughs> no, I like, know. I've talked to him about it, too. You know, because he's like, there is no shortage of money in this country. Mm-hmm. And if it was that easy, if it was just about the money, because everybody wants to be a rock star, right? Yeah, exactly. If it was mm-hmm. that easy, we'd have a lot more rock stars and they'd all be rich. But it's not about being, you know, having the money. It's about being, and it's not about just being in the right place at the right time. It's about being the right person in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Taylor's very smart. She knew, and and she was way ahead of this game. She is the first artist that I would, I would go out on a limb and say who's straddling both the old, the blessing of straddling the old music industry and the new music industry. She was able to use terrestrial radio to break her and really take her to another level. But the reason she's soared way beyond that and switched platforms on terrestrial radio went right. like, like, like what's the word? Like, uh, (laughs) like disowned by country music radio. She's transgenre. Yeah, and, and she's <laughs> right. transgenre. And went to pop music, which is usually like a deal breaker, right? Because some people mm-hmm. don't usually bounce back and forth between the two. They have their favorite station if it's country. They have their favorite station if it's pop, but they usually Oh, don't. yeah. And and she she blew it up even bigger. And she is one of the only two artists in the last two years that has sold more than two million records. And by far, she sold like 8.6 million because she gets mm-hmm. the social media part of it, you know? And so it's it's more than money. If you think it's money, that's a story that you're telling yourself and, and you're, you're an idiot. Stop it, okay? It, it's, it's, mm-hmm. got, it's got more to do with that. And I promise you, if you're doing your job right, the money will find you, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, the last myth, uh, Brent. Last one. The last myth, myth number six, writing a hit song just when you get into room, it just you just got to get a room and just write, and it happens magically, man. Oh, yeah, that's that's why I don't carry a guitar. I just carry a bag of pixie dust. <laughs> and, and a wand. <laughs> and a wand. That's, that's all I need. That's not a pen in my pocket. I'm not happy to see you. It's a magic wand. Now, to be fair, like, okay, what's the, let me ask you this. What's mm-hmm. the song that took you the longest to complete? 
And what's the song that took you the shortest amount of time to complete? Because sometimes some happen quicker than others. Yeah, I mean, heck, I don't remember that. Uh, but, I mean, like Monday Morning Church took a long time. And that's been my biggest hit. You know, it's a top five here in the U.S. and other places around the world, I assume. Um, and so that, you know, I started that when I was in grad school, didn't finish it. Uh, reworked the lyric, you know, after I was already out and working in Little Rock. And then, you know, it was later that I met Aaron and, and we finished it up. So that that whole process was at least months, if not the better part of a year. Um, say Every Head Bowed, which was a Randy Travis cut. Uh, Brandon Kinney and I wrote that in a day, yeah, half a day, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, I came in with the title and not the idea. And we developed the idea and wrote it and done in one day. So some happen fast, some happen slow, but they don't. There is an element of of magic, I guess, because you know you it's not we can't just reproduce it easily. You know, there's some little thing in there that happens, but it's a lot of hard work. But does the yeah does the magic? Because I listen, I do believe in the magic. I believe like, and I've heard mm-hmm. countless stories of 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 artists that are like man this song wrote itself like it took me 10 minutes to write it or 20 minutes to mm-hmm. write it and I, and I was done or something but that I, what i want you to articulate is that that doesn't happen to the novice does it no it doesn't i mean that you know was it uh tammy wynette uh, they needed one more song you know f- and they end up sitting down real quick like while the band was in the studio and writing like yeah, or stand by your man or something like that. You know, some story that you know it happened so quick where she wrote that with uh, uh, with her producer, I think. But it's like, no, it didn't take ten minutes to write that song. It took all those years of her perfecting the craft and him, you know, her co-writer perfecting the craft plus ten minutes. Yeah, plus you know? ten minutes. It, it took plus Tony ten minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Tony Arada, who wrote the dance, you know, classic career song for Garth Brooks. I think he wrote that he was in a laundromat from what I heard. You know, he was getting having the laundry spin and he was writing that song. It's like, well, it didn't take him a load of laundry to write the dance. It took him years and years and years plus a load of laundry yeah, to write the dance. He got to get his 10,000 hours first and that then he write thing, the yeah. dance. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I write a song in a session, it doesn't take me a session. It takes me all these years I've been writing plus that one session to write that song because you're building your craft. And the great thing about it is you you work and you build that muscle and you you build this filter, right? That on one end, hopefully inspiration and the magic comes in, right? And then the other end is the, the hit song. And yeah. when you're working and you're building your craft, all those songs, that's building the funnel and the filter. So when that magic drops in, it comes out more like a hit song because you've that's how you've built song after song after song after song after song so then when those th- oh it took me 10 minutes it just fell out well it just fell out through that process that you've built time after time after time after time exactly you know, it's like a football player running a route or you know a quarterback going through his progressions whatever it is like you get where you don't have to think about it yeah. Oh, Think about put, put it on even more common terms. Like like if you're a waiter or waitress, remember that first day? The first Ugh. day that you walked out on the floor and you probably spilled spaghetti it. on somebody. And, <laughs> and I mean, you were just, it was a nightmare. You didn't know what the hell you were doing. It was complete and utter terrifying chaos. Yes. And it was just a restaurant, you know? But then all of a sudden <laughs> you learned, right? And the more you did it, then the real good servers understand how to make that look easy. Or how about a construction worker? Right, the mm-hmm. first day you're on a construction site, and and you start to learn about how to plan out this and that, and how you're going to make this work, and then next thing you know, 
years later, you've done so much work on it that you know exactly what you need to do. But there's still a process of preparation, right? Like, mm-hmm. we need to know this is going to be the door frame. This is going to be the window frame. We're going to do this. We're using this kind of wood. So because we're using this kind of wood, we're going to use this nails. Uh, you know, this is a high-class home. We're going to use bigger wood. We're going to pour some cement, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. like, you understand how to do that. You become a student of the game, and you it is a process. You are... you. It's a craft, and and it mm-hmm. takes time. A plumber, like it take you, it takes years of work before you 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 get out of what do they call that for a a journeyman, um, mm-hmm. you know on 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 like jobs that require you know safety, like for for consumers <laughs> out there and everything. I mean, you know, plumbing, these are important things, and and it just doesn't. Right. So, but it sounds so easy when you hear the song, like, "Hey man, um, I, I wrote this song in ten minutes, and my name's." Tony Rada and I wrote the dance and I was watching a load of laundry. It sounds right. like all that, but it, it, the buildup is so different than that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's you just see the little tip of the iceberg, you yeah, know? You famous, don't see all the ice underneath. There's a famous story from uh, uh, Picasso where he's at a restaurant one time and some lady comes over to him in typical germ style, like while he's eating, you know, and she gives him a napkin and she's like, oh my God, you're Pablo Picasso. Will you draw something for me on this napkin? And he's like, sure. And he draws something like, two and a half or three minutes you know and of course it's a picasso so it's brilliant and he hands mm-hmm. it to, and, and he holds it up and she's like oh my god that's great and she goes to grab it he's like that'll be 300 bucks <laughs> <laughs> and she's like but that just took you three minutes he goes no it took me my whole life to learn how to do that in three minutes so it's 300 yeah. bucks you know and she wouldn't pay it so he crumpled it up and threw it away <laughs> <laughs> but think about that folks and that's a myth man it's all about the work you can't get around the work no matter what you do you're not mm-hmm. going to get around the work and if you do get lucky and get around the work believe me it's going to come back and bite you in the keister because you're not going to know what the hell you're doing you're going to be in a wrong room and you're not going to belong and, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to come and back they're going to know it all right so that brings us to uh the end of another wonderful the climb episode warm and fuzzy episode warm and fuzzy yeah warm and fuzzy do the work <laughs> do the work warm and fuzzy do the work <laughs> that's right man well uh so before we say goodbye uh once again if you're just listening in if you haven't gotten the free twitter book we have a, a book that will uh at daredevil that will teach you how to target an audience on twitter and by the way this works for instagram too it's the same code and you can learn how to get a thousand brand new targeted followers every single month and it just takes you like 15 minutes a day so you can be super efficient at it you can get that book at giftfromjohnny.com that's spelled j-o-h-n-n-y giftfromjohnny.com and and one other thing if you're stuck and you're you're trying to put all this kind of stuff together you probably got a lot of different resources you're listening to Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to put your career together and make it happen and you just uh, spinning your wheels a little bit, man. You know what? Like some some one on one time would be really good. We do charge for this, but hey, man, hit me up at info at daredevilproduction.com. Production again is singular. There's no s, and I can we can have a conversation, and w- uh, you'd be amazed at what we can get done in in less than two hours. I mean, we can. Re- I'll look at all your social media. I'll look at your website. If you got a web store, I'll look at that. I'll look at the way that you're bringing uh, you know your fans in the the funnel that you have, and we'll talk about. What what you need to do to really expand your footprint and do what we're doing with the artists at Daredevil. And, uh, man, that's some of the best education you're ever going to pay for. So uh, info at daredevilproduction.com. Give us a buzz. Brent, once again, thank you for hanging out, man. 
I love My pleasure. I enjoyed it. I love doing this shit with you, dude. This is fun. This is fun. I learned stuff. This is great. I learned well, stuff. I just love, you know what? We get emails from people that are like, man, dude, I tried this. Like, this happened. Then they just results emails and they love it, you know? And they're like, thank you so mm-hmm. much. I've listened to every episode. So that makes our day. Don't be afraid to send those out. Leave a rating and review. Uh, comment on it and uh, and share it. Sharing is caring. If you, if you want mm-hmm. brethren, uh, musicians to, to, to get on the same page, let them know. We want you to win, people, and we want you to keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.